Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Ghost reporting for duty on a Thursday morning. Happy to be with you here for the next hour. Fun show ahead of us. We get to preview UFC 273, which takes place on Saturday. Don't forget, Ghost and I are hosting a watch-along here on MMA Junkie, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That's our portion of it. We do have some pre-fight going on as well. 5 Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, fist bump to Fada Hanun, who will be hosting that. All right. Now, we're going to go over some of the latest news. We're going to go over some of the, you know, the, the pre-fight stuff that, that's been going down at uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. And we also have an interview with Corey Anderson, former UFC light heavyweight, but now a Bellator finalist in their light heavyweight Grand Prix. But that also means he's fighting for the title because in that same fight where they'll be contesting the finals, he's fighting the incumbent, the undisputed champion of Adim Nemkov, so lots on the line for Corey Anderson, the Grand Prix title, the undisputed title, and of course, a million dollars. It's MMA Junkie Radio on a Thursday, April 7th. So it goes, I don't do this too often because I hate forgetting and leaving people out. But I'm going to do it today. I think it's well documented that we we don't purposely, you know, avoid. Um, right before the show, I was kind of putting my phone like on silent off to the side and it popped up and it said, today is Abby Subhan's birthday. So Abby is at Kamikaze on Twitter. Abby is one of our videographers for a long time, just like Goes and I. Uh, independent contractors he became an employee this week so shout out to him but it's his birthday so i want to give him a shout out and then along the way too goes i saw joey sims i don't think he still listens to the show but we're still in contact but it reminded me of the old days when we had tag radio leading into junkie radio and we would have intro music for the callers and his was one of my favorite because it was that nfl theme we used to call mm-hmm. him joe montana right yeah he's joey sims who lives in montana so we call him joe montana and it was like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that just it just made me smile and put me in a good mood right before the show. Yeah, that was one of the fun, one of the funner ones. Some of them were inside jokes. And then some of them you could just tell based on like Humpty Sean, you know, you could just kind of get it. But, right. Uh, but yeah, some were like little inside jokes, too. Yeah. So come to think of it, I don't know why I sent him a shout out. I, I He might listen. I don't know. I just don't know if he's a daily. Well, we're no longer daily. I just don't know if he catches every show or what. But obviously, I'm friends with him on Facebook because he popped up 
it's kind of the only way I can remember birthdays nowadays, with, with the exception of the automatics, you know, you, mom, dad, Jules, everyone else. But uh, I, I have to rely on it. And if people block their birthday, oh, man, next thing you know, I feel terrible because I've forgotten them. But yeah, man, too much info. TMI. There's just so much info out there to remember everything. Yeah, it's a ton, dude. And I guess while we're already here, we'll have a chance to do it on our watch along. But uh, happy birthday to our mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, her birthday is Saturday on the yeah. So um, I know there are some people that maybe listen to the show who don't catch the watch along, but uh, you guys throughout the years have kind of gotten to know our parents a little bit here and there. So uh thought I'd maybe share that with you guys. Yeah. Why wouldn't someone tune into the watch along? If you tune into the show, you like MMA. And if you like MMA, you're probably watching the big cards like the UFC pay-per-views. And if you're watching them, then... I don't know. I think I even even if I uh, let's say I just love the sound of Rogan's voice. He gives me orgasms. I think at some point I'd still mute him and go see what the guys are saying, you know, and mm-hmm. and then pop back to Oregon and continue uh, to uh, to Rogan and continue with the orgasms. I don't know, but you should watch the watch along, folks. It's a lot of fun. Just watch along with us. Mute us. Put them on. Vice versa. Um, hang out in the chat. Just say hello and then bounce. But yeah, if you listen to the show. Watch the watch-alongs with us. It's pretty cool. I think you'll like it. We still need to decide our watch-along meal. Well, you got that new barbecue now. But I guess that requires <laughs> you on the barbecue. So, um, I don't know, man. Pizza's always the bailout because it's so easy to consume a slice. Work. Consume a slice. Work. You're not using forks and knives and... um. And then the whole heating up the food process. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's always the fallback. But it really, honestly, who you know who saved us the last few watch-alongs is Laura. You know, it's in her hands. If she's around, she usually saves us. But um, we'll talk about it. Um, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Don't forget, folks. And you know what would really help is if you shared it. You know, if you see our posts on Facebook or our tweets on Twitter or our posts on Instagram, if, if you can share it. Sometimes it'll land on your feed and you may not think it, but you'll get a response that says, well, I don't watch MMA, but my son loves it, you know, and then next thing you know, a possible new fan is is created. So that is the purpose of it. Sorry, I'm going to have to t- turn this down over here because ever since you told me Tiger was playing, kind of been peeking at him. He just missed the putt right now. Oh, really? Yeah, all eyes are on him. Tiger Woods, this is the Augusta Golf Tournament, one of the four majors, and I think it's the most prestigious one. So let me just turn it off because otherwise I'm going to keep peeking at him and then I'll get distracted and say stupid stuff. He, um, I think it's the first one back since that accident where he totaled his car in L.A. Yeah, yeah um, it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I mean, look, if he can do it, it's going to be big-time television on Sunday if he's in the running. Last I checked, he was even through three holes, so it's too early to tell. All right, folks. Those of you who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, this is the Masters tournament where everybody walks around like they're the best athlete in the world, and then when it's time for them to perform, everybody's got to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Unlike every other sport. Where you have to deal with crowd noise, people getting in your face. That's the sport. Have you seen basketball sometimes too? Where um 
College like, is the worst. The, some of the players on the bench sometimes are kind of leaning on the court when they look that way. Um, the coaches, they're right there. Like basketball's pretty crowded with courtside seating. That's probably the most crowded because even NFL, I was lucky enough once to go to the University of Notre Dame to watch USC play there. And I love their coziness of their stadium. Their sidelines are really, really close, and it was pretty cool. Great experience. I've never been. Um, so that that one's up close, and you know, baseball. I guess you're, you know, maybe there's a couple stadiums. I don't know them all by heart. That might be kind of along the 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 uh, foul line, but ain't nothing like basketball, man. Between cheerleaders, camera, and rich rich celebrities, they are right there. You know, that's why yeah. I kind of get a kick when one of them goes for a loose ball to save it. And then popcorn and a whole drink lands on a five thousand dollar outfit. There's nothing funnier than that. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to start with goes now that we've reminded everyone about the watch along. We did the birthday stuff. Uh, Hamza Shemaev seems to be the talk of the town. As hard as everyone is pulling it towards Volkanovski and Korean Zombie and Sterling and Jan, and by the way, they're not far behind. It, it still seems like. The, the most I'm seeing, the most clicks I'm seeing involve stories with Hamzat Shemaev. Whether it's just him and what he has to say and his goals of being a future champ, or I think he even said champ, 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 or others opining on him. Like the latest was Israel Adesanya. You know, he's saying, show me something. Uh, you know, so many people want to possibly fight him, but what are your thoughts on this guy? Uh, a site, I, I don't need a winner and all that. I can look at staff picks for that. I don't need a breakdown. But what are your thoughts on why this guy's so popular? And is it is it too much too early, this hype? Uh, I don't, I think the hype is okay. Um, but I think we have gone a little bit too far. And it's not to say that he can't do all that stuff. I would be saying this just about anybody, really. You know, because we've had fighters in the past that have shown us that these things kind of happen. They come out of the gate strong and then they uh, they meet a style of fighter or a particular fighter that just they can't get over that hump. So I don't want to throw a parade just yet, but things look pretty good for him. But this is definitely one of those fights where no matter what, if he wins this fight, I don't think we can really still poke too many holes because Gilbert Burns is a pretty well-rounded fighter and um, to get past him would be pretty impressive even a stoppage a stoppage would be great but you know even if they go three rounds and and he outlasts them that's still pretty big news because Gilbert Burns is a hell of a fighter so let me ask you this let's say he beats Gilbert Burns and Dana goes well he's not next for Usman so we're gonna have to give him someone else but at that point basically that just leaves Colby Covington who would you favor? Him, him and Colby? Yeah. It's funny because he said that uh, if they fight, Colby would call the cops. But <laughs> uh, that's a, a really, really tough one. I would probably say Colby Covington. Me too. Because of the experience. and uh, His cardio really, is endless. His, his only, experience is valuable. His and... only uh, kryptonite is Usman. So... Yeah. Probably Colby Covington. I think that's yeah. fair. Me too. It all depends how it looks. If he beats Burns super quick, then I would probably favor Colby Covington. 
if he beats Burns like 50-44, there was even a 10-8 in there, and he held his own with, with striking, submission defense, and then just out-wrestled him or put it on him, not really out-wrestle him. I expect him to out-wrestle him, but just basically put it on him where Burns had no answers. Then who knows? I may come in on Monday and go, hey, I, I take that back. Hamza Shaman. I just think it's so early, um, and I don't know too much about him in the later rounds. I was kind of studying him before the show. I've come to a few realizations. For one, the hype is warranted. Why? He's 10-0, all finishes, six KOs, four uh, submissions. Now, Izzy said he he's only fought once at middleweight. That's wrong. He's fought twice. Phillips and Mearshart. And now he's fought twice at welterweight. Can I say so, something real quick? Yeah. Put some respect on his name, right? Can't be getting things wrong like that. <laughs> what do you mean? Remember when he got all mad at the press conference because the, the title thing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, he needs to learn his stats. Exactly. Um, yeah, so in that regards, you know, now he's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. And let's just say, because we don't want to disparage anyone. Everyone in the UFC is proving themselves to be a, a good fighter, you know, to to fight in, in this show. But I'm going to put Reese McKee and John Phillips to the side. So that's the... Um, the welterweight, the first welterweight and first middleweight that he fought. Gerald Mearshart and Li Jingliang, they've both been ranked. Now, they didn't make it past 10, I don't believe, at least in ours. I'm talking about USA Today Sports MMA Junkie. But they've been ranked. So they're now you're talking about, uh, you know, very good fighters. I said good for the other guys. These are very good fighters. And he got through them pretty quickly. So, again, he's finished everybody. He's doing it quick. The only thing we don't really know about is well, what would you be like in the third round? What would you be like in the fourth and fifth? And what would you be like against top 10 material? Maybe even top five material. There, there might even have to be another answer along the way. Gilbert Burns is probably top 10. Let me see. We got Usman. We got Covington. Well, I think Burns is top five. Anyway, um, but but for, for real, you know, like it, it, it's warranted. He's good. You know, he really is that good. I just don't know if he's a champion, and I'm sure as hell don't know if he's a champ, champ, and then a champ again. But why not dream? He should be able to dream. Now, I will say this, goes. I thought of two comparisons. Nothing's ever going to be apples to apples, but this is as close as I could think of um, in the most recent few, most recent years. One was Ronda Rousey when she was undefeated and unstoppable. Wasn't even getting out of the first round until Misha's second fight, I think. And even then, she still got past her, then came back and still was pounding people pretty good. However, this is where it's not apples to apples. Ronda still had the one question mark, and that was her striking. What can she do there? You know, she didn't really have, like, KOs on her resume. Um, But, you know, then she started finishing a couple via KO, but it wasn't via the beautiful sweet science or anything like that, or this devastating right hand. That's cool. was nice. It was nice. Yeah. But what I'm saying is we didn't get it like a, a display of, right. You know, it was just a couple strikes and then boom, it was over. So, and I'm not putting down Ronda Rousey. I ain't no Venezuelan vixen. So, um, but you know, eventually she came up against someone who 
when she wasn't able to take the fight to the ground and Holly Holm, she had to strike with a world champion um, boxer and kickboxer. And it didn't go well for her. With Hamzat, I think the biggest question mark has to do with the stand-up. Even though he's got six KOs and four submissions. Now, I haven't gone back to look at all his fights at Brave and everything that happened in Sweden. So, I don't know. Just because you see TKO, it could mean that you wrestled the fuck out of him. And next thing you know, you dropped some elbows and that was it. doesn't mean that you were shuffling like Ali. But when he did deliver that nice shot on Mearshart, we know, okay, he's pinpoint and has a strong right hand. You know, he's going to have to answer a few more questions there. But so far, he's done what he can. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Go in there and have a barn burner, you know, and come out with bruises? You know, if he doesn't have to, he he, he certainly doesn't, you know, he shouldn't. So, anyway, the, the Ronda comparison comes more from being undefeated and all those quick finishes in the first round. But, again, Ronda now had to go up against fighters that were all at her level or gunning for what she wants, that hunger that a contender wants, man, that sometimes that can overtake a champion. That's why you see a lot of champions only win and never defend once. They just win, and that's it. They, they're out, like Griffin or Evans or a few others, Sarah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. Once you become a world champion, you did accomplish something pretty special, but it's also pretty special when you, when you rack up the title defenses. The other one I can think of is Johnny Walker. I remember Johnny Walker came in. He, he came in through Dana White Contender Series, Brazil, and he won there. I think he went to a decision there. But then he blasted Khalil Roundtree. Mm -hmm. He blasted uh, Justin Ledet and Misha Serkinov. Fast. All of them. First round. Let me see. I got it right here. 15 seconds, 157, and 38. So that sounds to me like less than three minutes. And I remember all of us, most of us, saying, wow, like, dude, I'd love to see him stand with John Jones, you know, even though we hadn't even seen him much on the ground to see what, you know, what's what there. We don't know if he's Vinny Magalayash on the ground or if he's, give me someone who's terrible, give me someone who's terrible on the ground. On the ground? Derek Lewis, we'll say, you know, someone that's, you know, he's not throwing up triangles or arm bars or whatever. No, no offense to Derek, but he, he's not a submission wizard. But, but with Johnny Walker, we did see one thing. That he had lost three times up until that point. He was 17 and three after the Sirkinoff win. So he wasn't indestructible. We already knew what was he's been beaten before, just not in the UFC and in the UFC. So maybe he turned a corner, maybe he became a beast. Who knows? So, you know, but but I just remember the hype, that early hype. Like, holy cow, you know, and that reminded me of what Hamzad's doing, just quick, quick, destructive. Um, and then with Rhonda, just the undefeated aspect. No one's been able to, you know put a, a kink in the armor or nothing like that so we'll see finally gilbert burns will answer a lot however if i were to really really be the biggest hamza shimaev hater on the planet which i'm not depending on how i beat some i will say well let's not forget burns started at 155 i consider him an undersized 170 who's awesome by the way i have no problem with that but he was a 155 at one point remember folks dan hooker beat him and sent him and that sent burns up to 170 he said the weight cut this that whatever um, and with Shemaev, you're probably looking at someone who's going to do most of their fighting, I think, at middleweight when it's all said and done. But for now, he can still make 170, and he's probably going to take that as far as he can. So you may be seeing a a middleweight versus a lightweight, or maybe a soon-to-be middleweight versus someone versus, who was being a lightweight. That that could possibly make a little bit of a difference as well. 
And, and you know what? Honestly, with Colby, I've often thought Colby could make 155. He's even said it himself. That may be the same there, but Colby, Colby may be uh, maybe able to address certain questions that we have that Burns can't. Burns more with the submissions, the powerful right hand. Uh, Colby more with the pressure, his, the wrestling. You know, now Shamayev will have to answer to someone else's wrestling and someone with endless cardio even before we get to Usman. But this fight's going to tell us a lot. You know, they, I don't know if you saw the video, but they ran into each other at the hotel and they kind of sized each other up. And Hamza did tell him, man, you're small. So um, I don't know that he's that much smaller, but he is smaller. Yeah, he is. And I think it was DC was saying something like that this week, that that, that that's something that's pretty glaring, you know. With that usually comes the, uh, the reach, although in Volkanovsky's case, that's, that's that uh you know he could fight someone that's freaking six seven and he might still have the reach advantage that guy's an orangutan that volkanovsky but anyway um shamaya is he worthy of here's the other thing he doesn't speak great english his smack talks bizarre he wants to eat everyone i don't know if he thinks he's pac-man or what but um and, oh either that or he wants to kill people and bury them like i i need to find something in between like I don't want to eat somebody, you know, but at the same time, I don't want to kill somebody. I just want to kick someone's ass. And anyone that can give me a version of that, you know, kicking someone's ass, start with that and then just, I want to beat someone to a pulp. I want to kick someone's ass. I want to show someone what time it is. You know, something like that, mix up the stuff. That's good enough. Burying people, killing them, eating them. <laughs> like, I don't know. Someone needs to tell them, like, eh, you're kind of not making sense, but. You are different, you know. We get it. You're 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 a destructive force, but tweak a few things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes those things just don't translate very well. But uh, know, who's famous for that? Tyson, right? Didn't you want to eat Lennox Lewis kids or something like that? <laughs> he did, but with Mike, you can't really tell him anything, man. Because well, with Mike, you you're one you almost uppercut away from landing in the neighbor's yard. What's that? It's smack talk, but with Mike Tyson you might actually believe him like god damn he might actually do it like you never know yeah yeah with mike tyson i mean even when he said it i think we all kind of laughed because it was different but i don't think he ever really went back to that i think hamzat's been saying the, the same kind of stuff or whatever and look cringe did work with henry cejudo maybe that's his version of cringe or whatever but um i i i like that habib really really evolved the things he used to say and towards the end, that's why, dude, Habib is like this star, mega star that I, th I think people just don't know. Um, He, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do because every game, the business game, the smack talk game, the fighting game, the managing game, the mentor game, the whatever, he's figured it out and he really, really pours his heart into it. You know what I mean? Um, And I he think you have right. to do that with, with a lot of stuff. What's that? He did it pretty pretty right man in my regards like there are very few things he can point to, to... I, I i wish maybe his career went a little bit longer but yeah for the most part uh that guy did pretty well for himself yeah i mean like if connor has 40 million instagram followers habib's probably at 25 i mean he's 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 big dude he's a he's a big star as well and i think a lot of it became because he used to ask questions i i was lucky enough to have lunch with habib once and he asked me about smack talk and we talked about that and um but he listened carefully and then he repeated it and 
he uh he takes notes he's he's just smart like i told you about two years ago the last card before the pandemic the one that had izzy versus yoel dominance mma had one of their um their uh media days where it's just the dominance athletes Sohudo, kayla kamaru Corey anderson about another Robert, 20. Marias. Correct, yes. And so Habib was there. And so I'm just sitting there waiting my time. Uh, I was towards the back a little bit, and I was just kind of just chilling. I don't know if I – I don't even think I was talking – I may have been talking to someone like Greg Savage. I don't know, somebody. And all of a sudden Habib walks by, and he says, hello, my brothers, or something like that. Hey, how you doing, Habib, champ, whatever. Good. And then he kind of kind of had his hand on his chin and then he took a, he looked at me again. He took a step back. He goes, I remember you, the Mandalay Bay, you know, you're a big Manchester United fan. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I go, you and your brother. He said that. And I go, yeah, um, I want to go back. And I go, when? He goes, I'm so busy, you know. And I go, well, we'd love to have you. And um and, and then he goes, hey. And then he leaned in and he goes, I'm a big Manchester United fan. He goes, I love Real Madrid. He goes, but Manchester, I love them. He goes, that's my English premier team. And I go, ah, that should be your team. He goes, nah. He goes, I, I already have long history with Madrid. Um, but I love Premier League. He said that. He loves the Premier League. And so that's his team, Manchester United and you know, whatever. But I was more fascinated with just how do you remember that? Because I imagine he's probably been interviewed a thousand times by now. So to remember that one thing, although maybe it's just the fact that he has a passion for soccer. Goes, I don't know if you've seen, but Habib, if you stood in front of him and said, Hey, name the last um name the last uh twenty Champions League winners, he'll go, Well, let's see, uh in ninety nine, Man United beat Bayern Munich. And then in 2000, Real Madrid, you know, and he'll just go on. He might stumble on one or two in a freeze or whatever, but he can do it, man. He loves that, soccer. That's what makes him special. And I think that's why sometimes he kind of – people like that, they tend to want everybody else to be like that, so they require a lot of – that's why, like, uh, nonsense is probably number one bullshit, right, because he just – he doesn't play that game. I think he kind of expects everybody else to not play that game if they want to be at his level. And you have to seriously consider that because uh, you've seen what he did in his career. You see the person he is. And, man, guys like him, Michael Jordan, they may be like a little weird here and there. But who knows? Maybe you got to be a little weird to be that great. Is nonsense number one bullshit? Probably, I think. I love that when he says it. Um, all right, so look, we got to talk to Corey Anderson. Then when we come back, we'll put a little dressing on the show and bounce out of here. Um, but yeah, Hamza Shemaev, keep an eye on that guy. You know, I don't need to tell you guys that. I think everyone's kind of seen it. Maybe for some people, he's flown a little bit under the radar because to be fair, a lot of his success came when he did two fights on Fight Island a couple years ago, and then he had a long bout with COVID. But him versus Burns, that that's I'm just as jacked goes for that fight as I am for the title fights. Me All right, too. Corey Anderson, mm-hmm. we're going to talk to him about this big fight he's got coming up at Bellator 277.
What's up, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. We got another MMA superstar here with us. It's Corey Overtime Anderson, who's going to be facing Vadim Nemkov at Bellator 277, taking place on April 15th in San Jose, California. Showtime's got you covered. As always, this is a huge, huge card. It's one of their tent pole events. Corey, welcome back to Junkie Radio. How are you, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good. I love that setup there, man. What's you got a name for that? People call their their spots a man cave or the office. You got a name? This is Overtime Studios, baby. You know, I'm editing love my it. YouTube here. I got my bike over here. I'm doing my overtime work. I'm studying the projector with the fight film going on. Got my massage table and stuff set up over there for my suits come over. This is my area. This is where I get away. The kids and the family upstairs. I come downstairs while I'm studying film working in the office or getting a massage or whatever this is just my little domain man that's i, I love massages how often do you get one well right now so then the fight camp i do one every sunday every sunday I, sundays are recovery i go to church or come home a massage therapist comes over acupuncture comes over ice bath epsom salt bath normal tech and you just chill on the couch and hang with the family for the rest of the day can you eat what you want on sunday is it also the the cheat meal day or whatever i mean to a point you know i'm eating more more portions but it's still healthier portions i'm not eating like outside of this month where i'm starting to cut down hard my wife's sicilian so sunday is usually Ooh. sunday sauce so every morning she wake up she get the pot out got the garlic going you know the tomato paste the what blah blah the peas and come home on sunday in the house smelling like thanksgiving on sunday <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know the pasta come out the spadini got the venison whatever we get for the meat and yeah my wife always does it up but right now it's they can have that, and I'll take the sauce and put on like zucchini squash, zucchini noodles, oh. or you know, what I mean, eat clean yeah. meal with baked chicken and the rice and put a little some sauce on it. But you know, I do what I got to do to make the weight, yeah. All right, um, what is your favorite uh post weigh in meal? Yeah, did I say that? Your, if your favorite post weigh in meal, what would do you um, like to load up on pastas and carbs or, or what? 100%. It's been that way since. My first fight, I obviously just, you know, because football, I always had to eat carbs before the football game. So something to fuel up on spaghetti dinner. So now after I make weight, make reservations at the best Italian restaurant, hopefully in town, if we can leave the hotel and, uh, yeah, go get as much pasta as I can, family-style pasta, chicken, and some veggies. Get it all and just sop up all the garlic bread. Take all the bread and sop up all that sauce. You know, all that's going to help stick to the body and get myself back to full to where I want to be on fight night. Is that about 230, 235? I've been, well, the heaviest I came back was, I think, the uh, either the Glover fight or a year, uh, Lil Latifi. I was 229, but now okay. I've been coming back like 225, 223. You know, I'm more okay. athletic, more active, faster. I mean, I'm still good at 230, but I just feel like 225, I have that little that little step. You know, another thing, Trent Cole, like I was telling you guys about Trent Cole, he told me, like yeah. NFL, they say five pounds is a difference. That five pounds is a difference. So I try going from 230 to 225 when I come in the fight, and I feel like I'm a lot faster on the gas, but I can get my fakes off and move a lot quicker at that weight. I'm going to peel back the curtain here for the listeners. We were talking right before the interview, and that name came up, Trent Cole, a friend of yours, who also uh, helped you in terms of letting it go. And I'm not talking about your hands or your skills or anything, but your personality. I think you've become like one of the people that, uh we like listening to we look like we look forward to like the pre-fight press conferences you know because you're telling us what you're gonna do how, the work you put in 
you know, what your goals are. You really, really communicate well. And, and like I was telling you before, I remember before the ultimate fighter, even before you guys went in the house, um, they lined you up at the Mandalay Bay and, and you were more of a shy fella. Now, right now you could host the Oscars. I mean, you honestly seem very, very comfortable in the public speaking. Yeah. I mean, like I told you guys, like you said, before we got on the show, we were talking about it. You grew up, I grew up in the sport, three fights only when I came to the fight game. So when cameras came, it was kind of like, uh, 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 what do I do? Uh, uh, what do I say? Kind of like Ricky Bobby, what do I do with my hands? You know, I was kind of lost, but that's to the point now, like over time, being in front of the camera, you get used to the camera's going to be there. So now you just get comfortable. And then over time, the people I've met, Frank Yeager, one of my best friends, Frankie Perez, he's an entertainer. That's what he does. He's an MC. And then Trent Cole, like on my YouTube channel, he has a hunting channel. And we hunt together. And sometimes we film it. Get cut. And be like, yo, stop. Give me some energy. The energy I know you have when we just talking and hanging out at the shop. Give me that energy. We need that energy to sell. That's what people want to see on the camera. Nobody want to see that. Oh, well, we just hunted turkey and nothing happened. Say it live. Another thing DC told me, like, I hung out with DC. He was another one that said it. Um, you see him on commentating. And if you know DC outside of commentating, he's already full of energy. He told me, he said, all I do is I go on the camera and I turn it up 100 times more. He's like, I'm me. I just turn that knob up and I'm more, I'm colorful. I'm a color commentator. And that's what people want to see. So that's all I'm doing. I just... I, I am who I am when I talk. I'm not changing my personality, but I just put a little more energy into it, you know? I'm trying to stand out. So if somebody listens to it on the radio, they can feel my expression from my voice. Yeah, I'm going to definitely use you as an example. Anytime I, we meet up with some of the young athletes, male and female, that say, it's not in me, it's not in me. And I, I've always told them, I go, if uh, Martin Scorsese were to say, would you like to be in my film? You're going to act this character. 99% of the time, they're like, hell yeah, I'd immerse myself in that guy or gal or whatever and become that person. And I'm like, well, that's what this is. But you got to work on it because he would give you a script and you'd have to read it over at least 10 to 100 times, you know, so that you memorize your lines and you become that character. Well, that's what MMA and prize fighting is as well. You have to be able, you can't, I mean, a lot of people have the gift of just being able to flow naturally, but a lot of people don't know, even those that are gifted have to put in that time. They go over it. So, it, so that the delivery is special at the right time when, when you're on live television. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you guys, like you say, I'm one of the people you guys like to talk to and listen to when I talk, but you know, as for the MMA fans, you know, I get a lot of backlash from, they don't like the way I talk because, uh, I don't talk trash. Like I said, it's more about being humble and confident. They like the Jorge Masvidal, the Kobe Covington, the Ben Asher, and the guys going out there and talking trash to putting trash on somebody's name and go out there. But then, like I said, some people are scared to put that image out on the media. They don't want to go out there and talk super confident where it's not cocky and they go out there and lose and they got to go back and eat those words. Then they hide them from social media for like two, three weeks because they don't want to come out and tweet nothing and somebody come out there and bash them on their comments. Another thing I learned to embrace is just embrace what's going to happen on social media and they're going to talk about you whether it's good or bad i know i'm probably one of the most least liked athletes out there but the media and the people that matter the people that's going to help my life after like you guys that do the media the interviews that put me out there you guys enjoy talking to it because we can have a conversation because i have energy and you guys know me and seen me fight as for the casuals they're not impressed with my style because it's not super flashy. They don't like my interviews because I'm not talking trash and I hear causing problems. You know, the one time my media was growing was leading up to the Johnny Walker fight when I was talking trash, showing up at John Jones's meet and greets, crashing parties and stuff. And I was, that was not my image. I was doing things that I 
I don't do, but I was portraying an image that I knew the UFC wanted to get promoted so the fans would start liking me so I can get a title fight. Then after my loss to Jan, I remember telling my wife, like, that's not me. I'm not, that's not my role. That's not me. I'm going back to me, doing me. I'm going to be me. And if they like it, they can hate it. But at the end of the day, when I'm winning, you got to respect me. Yeah. And you've been super effective, super violent, uh, winning, you know, beating some really, really tough cats. And now you're in a position for not only the Millie, you know, of course, prize fighting, but the Grand Prix belt, you mentioned DC. He's so proud of his Strike Force Grand Prix belt that he has that he won a long time ago. Uh, a guy you locked up with once, Shogun, same thing. He'll always be remembered for that Grand Prix belt he won in Pride. So that, as well as the undisputed light heavyweight, is there one in particular that means more to you, the million-dollar prize or each one of these belts, or is it an equal 33% uh, across the board? So the biggest thing I'm worried about is I like heavyweight belt. You know, when I came into the game, I didn't come in wanting to make millions. I didn't come in wanting to win a Grand Prix. I want to come in to win the belt to say I'm the best. You know, right now, after what we have in Bellator, with these top guys, with me and Nimkov, the people I fought, the people he's fought, the people I beat, with the champion in the UFC right now, I'm the last person to beat him. I win this. is There's pretty much no argument to reason why I can say I'm the best in the world. People say, oh, well, you're not in the UFC. What does it matter? Because I already smacked the dude that's the UFC champ. You know, so for me to get the belt, that's the biggest thing. The million dollars, a hundred, a million dollars to anybody's million dollars. You get a billionaire and tell him, here's a million dollar check, he's going to love it. You know, an extra million is great regardless. But for me, I wanted to be the best. When I came in the game, my plan was to be the best. I wanted, I've been saying this since the get go. I'm going to be the best. Effort John Jones, effort, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be. Corey Anderson, and at the end of the day, people are going to be like, man, I want to be like Corey Anderson. And now here's my chance, you know, my chance to finally say I am the best. I get my belt. I have a spot above my TV. I imagine it every night when I go to bed. I look up like it's a spot for a shot of boxing. It fit perfectly for the belt. And that's been the dream and the image this whole time. And now it's here. I love hearing that. You don't know how many yahoos say, oh, the belt's in the closet. I'm like, no, you got to display it. You got to be proud of it. But, you know, you brought up John Jones a couple times, and I wanted to bring up this question to you. Um, because you tied it into something you said about Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovic, you have history with him. A lot of people don't know. He did give you your last loss, but you're also one-on-one one with him. But then also you and Nemkov, all four of you really are kind of out of the shadow of John Jones because, yes, I hear what you're saying. A lot of the haters will go, well, but John Jones, but John Jones. But John Jones hasn't fought in over two years. He's not even on a lot of rankings. Says he's headed to heavyweight. I don't know. But regardless, a lot of people that are triumphing right now haven't even mixed it up with John Jones. How do you feel about that? I mean, you know, like John Jones, we don't know what John Jones is going to do. So, you know, like I said, people that's up in the top nine, everybody swearing they the best. Only very few. Glover is one of the few at the top that actually have mixed it up with John Jones at the top. He's a champ. Other than that, I mean, people going to always say, well, you can never say you're the best until you fight John Jones. But John Jones can't even make it to the fight. That's not my problem. You know, right. if he doesn't come back to a fight, that's not my problem. He vacated his spot. Now I just got to worry about what's in front of me. I got to worry about these guys ahead of me now. I got to worry about Nimcock. I got to worry about Bader, the people in my organization. If some other time we do a cross promotion where I doubt it's ever going to happen, but Bellator UFC, then I go back to worry about Jan and Glover and him again. But as far as I know, I already know I beat Glover on two-week notice pretty handily. I know the first time I beat Jan, if I just stuck to my wrestling like I did the first time, I probably would have did the same thing the second time. But I went out there trying a different game plan, trying to impress people and strike with them. It cost me. That's okay. I learned that. I've owned up to that. But now – I just worry about what's in front of him. John Jones isn't in front of him. He's not even in the picture to me. 
You know, you see him tweeting, you see he's posting. I hope things are going well with his life and his family. He gets himself straight on back on the straight and narrow, and he has a good vision. I hope he can stick to that. But other than that, I don't even think about it anymore because, you know, he's a lot of talk right now. We haven't seen anything. Corey, these Grand Prix, these tournaments, they're all kind of a different beast. Can you share with us maybe along the way, is there one lesson or one thing that maybe caught you off guard that you learned along the way in this process? The biggest thing I can take away from this, especially since it happened during the pandemic, was Eddie Alvarez told it to me when I, the tournament was announced. He came to me in the gym like, bro, I'm legend right now. At the end, it's never the best fighter that wins. It's the smartest fighter. It's not the smartest fighter in the fight. It's the smartest fighter throughout the camp. Who can make it all the way to the fight with taking the least amount of injury? You know, because if you go through these wars, it's a Grand Prix, so you all fight. If you're getting beat up every fight and you make sure the finals and you've been through a war, five-round war, all the other rounds, you're going to be pretty beat up. So you want to go out there and you want to get the fights done with the least amount of damage. And in camp, you got to be smart about your training. Well, luckily for me, I had finishes and didn't really get hit in any of my three fights in Bellator. But the biggest thing I learned was, like, the schedule sometimes doesn't go like it's supposed to. So I had to be smart with my training, especially with the pandemic holding us back from getting the venue to continue. The finals were supposed to be in October. Here we are in, in April for the have them now. So the biggest thing for me to learn was how to keep my foot on the pedal, but at the same time keep my body safe. Where I'm still learning, I'm progressing, I'm getting better every day, but I don't want to go too hard, too fast, too soon and get hurt and then get into the fight time. Now I'm like, oh, I'm I'm babying this injury. I'm scared to throw this hook because my elbow hurt. I don't want to land my right hand because I busted up a knuckle or something. So the biggest thing I learned from this was you got to be smart. You know, you got to go out there and fight, but fight smart like I have been doing. I haven't taken much damage in any of my belts or fights because I've been fighting smart. I'm not going into the fire right away. I stay on the outside. I stay patient. I got super long arms. I'm learning how to use them. Use that jab. Keep them at distance. When the opportunity comes, strike. If I get into the ground, don't let him up. Ground and pound him. Make him carry the weight and feel these blows. Make him carry that. And that way, I get out this fight safe enough to move to the next round without any injuries. As for the other person, he just went through a war. He got rocks. He got hurt. He got cut. Now, he's got to worry about going home, icing that, babying that, and make sure that doesn't happen again during camp. That cut doesn't open. You don't get rocked in camp so you can make it to the next fight without getting hit the first time and getting put down. So that's the biggest takeaway is, like, just being smart. Figure out how to be an active, smart, professional mixed martial artist. Corey, how do you think it'll feel when it's all said and done, physically and mentally? Because normally a fighter will have their camp, their fight, and then there's this sort of release where they can just get back to normal life, eat the things they want, go on vacations. But you guys don't really have this for a long time. What do you think it's going to be like when this is all said and done? Man, it's going to feel like a weight off my back. I can tell you, I can, I think about it now. Like I said, just, you going to, I mean, as a fighter, you're going to face injuries. You're always going to face some little bumps and bruises. You land a knee, and when your knee pads shift and you hit somebody's elbow or something, you got little things you ice in and you're trying to take care of. But, but it's like with this one, the Grand Prix, they keep they kept calling me and saying, oh, we got the date. Just keep training. Keep training. Keep training. So since last April till now, I mean, I usually don't take time off anyway. But from last April till now, I've been in like a Grand Prix camp. I haven't been on vacation. I haven't taken any time off from the gym. I've been fighting. And I come back and I go right back to the gym because I haven't taken damage. Go back to training hard, pushing it, lifting heavy, running sprints, and all the different stuff. 
But I know once this Grand Prix is over, physically, it's just going to feel good. I already know. I like me and my father talked about it. What are we going to do after the fight? Like, I'm going to go hunting somewhere. I'm going to do something, go hunting, go on a trip or something, take some time off. I know June and May, I got a lot of archery and hunting things I got booked. I'm going to do for those couple months, just relaxing the body, just letting my body heal, go back to having fun to where I'm not thinking about the fight anymore because throughout this whole year, all I've been thinking about is my opponent ahead of me. Always thinking about their opponent. I go to bed, dreaming about that belt, thinking about what I have to do. I wake up in the morning, my shoulders hunch because I'm in my head, thinking about my fighting stance. I just know once it's over, it's just going to be that burden off my back to where I can finally just, I can relax. I don't have to think about that this guy anymore. I don't have to think about the next round of the tournament. I don't have to worry about is the pandemic going to stop this fight from happening? Uh, it's COVID. Am I going to get COVID before this? And then mentally, it's just like, again, I'm free. I don't have to think about the same things anymore. I can go back to just being me, being an outdoorsman for a while until the next fight or the next opportunity comes up because I'm definitely going to take some time off. I need to take some time to heal. It's just not body-wise, but mentally, you know, I've taken so much time for my family in this pandemic or during this Grand Prix with my wife. She used to fight. She understands the importance of this. So she, throughout this whole time, she kind of like cut me a lot of slack from my fatherly duties and things. She just let me train and rest and focus on the things I need to focus on so I can win. And uh, I'm just ready to get back to just being the family man, Corey, and back to helping out around the house and stuff. Yeah. All right. This is good stuff. So I just got a couple questions here before we wrap up. Did you, the other day we discussed something on one of our segments and we said, who would be a fighter? Cause we, a lot of us watched WrestleMania. I don't know if you watched it, but we said, who would be a good fighter in MMA where if he were to leave MMA and immerse himself in pro wrestling, he would do good. I pitched Phil Davis because I keep thinking of the Mr. Wonderful name, and uh, I think the, the wrestlers have an advantage because of the, that grind and what, you know, pro wrestling's like. Being on the road, it's difficult, uh, bumps and bruises, all that stuff. But as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, man, I should have said Corey, Corey Anderson as well. I think you would have been someone that I think could do well there. Have you ever thought of it, pro wrestling um, at all? Do you think you would do well in it? Over the weekend, I've had a thought about it when I've seen everybody posing about WrestleMania. One of my buddies from college, his name on the, uh, he's in the WWE. He's in the WrestleMania, I believe. I've seen him made a post. Um, a Dogs, he's with the Street Profits. And um, I messaged him a while ago and I seen him on TV. Like, yo, if y'all ever want to do like something where you're trying to collab with somebody from MMA, let me know. I'll come out there and jump on like a special guest appearance. But I'll say to my wife, like, maybe after fighting, I'll try WWE because he's doing well. And you know, uh, he was one of my rivals. He was in the conference, same conference, right next door school. And we wrestled quite a few times. We used to jaw jack back and forth. And I see how well he's doing, how he's killing it, him and his partner. And I know already, like, I got that same energy, if not more. I know I'm more athletic, and I was better than him in a wrestling game. I know wrestling isn't, like, <laughs> who's actually better. It's kind of acted out. But I already know. It's like, man, if he's killing it like that, I know I could do the same thing, especially now that I found my personality and my voice. I know I can go out there and. I can make a killing in that if that was something I wanted to do. Yeah. Do you already know what your gimmick would be? Nah, it's beyond, I don't even, you know, I don't even really watch wrestling. So I don't even know like the gimmicks and stuff, but I figure it out. You know, it'd be something related to hunting. You know, that's hunting. what I was thinking. I was, I was picturing season, you with fatigue. Everybody put me on the mic. It's hunting season, baby. I'm there coming for that head, you know, something like that. But there you go. I love it. Fatigues and, and something, uh, hunting gear. I don't know. Yeah, my um, be all camo, baby. 
<laughs> Here's another thing, too. This is random, but you mentioned archery and hunting. Do you by any chance ever watch Yellowstone? I have not. You know, we uh we got a list of shows right now. Me and my wife that night we taking the top off. We chilling a bit. We watch the show. We got one more episode in this show called All American. And after that, we go into Yellowstone. So that's next. Everybody okay. can tell me, Coach Mark Henry, like, bro, you would love Yellowstone. I watched Longmire and I love that. He's like, oh, it's way better than Longmire. You would love it. So after we finish All American, we're moving over to Yellowstone next. Tell you what you're really going to love, too. Yellowstone also has a prequel, but it's years, years, years ahead. Not just like, you know, not not like Kevin Costner, who, who's one of the stars of Yellowstone. Not him, you know, 30 years ago, but um, it's called 1883. But there's a lot of um, scenes with hunting and shooting and archery and, and stuff like that. Of course, I don't want to give it away, but I think you'll I think you'll dig it. I really think you'll dig it. And it's attached to Yellowstone. Because like I said, it's based in 80, 1883, but it's the Dudden family, which is what Yellowstone's about in 2022. Well, if it's like anything in the country and all that, I'm like, anyway, I'm a country boy. So I relate to that cornfields, you know, oh, mining yeah. and stuff like Real that. That's, that's what I come from. So I'm used to that. I can relate to it. Here's another thing, too. I'm watching a show called Showtime. It's about the Lakers. Is that what it's called? It's called Winning Time, right? Yeah, I'm watching that too. Winning Time. I'm watching that right now on TV. I'm watching that. That's good. So check this out, Corey. And I and this is funny because we haven't talked much MMA, but this is a this is fun stuff. That you know, you, you could do that with the other websites. This is fun stuff we're doing here on Junkie. Um, at, okay, so Winning Time, you're familiar with it, and after Winning Time was over, it looked like they had like an after show with, with the actors that played Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson, and they were talking about the characters and this and that. And as when you were explaining something on one of the questions we asked, I was thinking, this cat could go into acting, man. He, you know, especially when you showed us your wingspan. So, you know, obviously at 6'3", maybe a basketball player or a football player or something, but I, I think you could I think you could do well in acting because what I was seeing from them, I was seeing a lot from you too. Well, I know mom, I could do pretty much anything. I'm just a hustler. You know, uh Ali, my manager, he talked about it now. Like when I come out with my fight shows, I got all these sponsors. Every sponsor I got, I've gotten myself. Me asked my how did you do that? Like we can't even get sponsors right now. Like I'm a hustler, bro. I'm gonna do anything I gotta do to make the ends meet. I make sure my family eat regardless. That's just who I am. So acting came around, guess what? I'm going to kill it. Like my father always said growing up, why do you think my collar always up? I don't turn nothing down. You know, I'll do anything, <laughs> any opportunity, I'm going to do it. He's a roofer. People ask him to do something he's never done before. I can do it. He'll go get it done. He look it up. He says all the time, man is going to do it. Man's been doing this since the end of time. You're a man, ain't you? You can do it as well. And that's just my mindset and everything with the YouTube, with the fighting, the family life, having kids. Like men been having, taking care of kids their whole life. When I had the first one, you could have freaked out. You know, a lot of people, I delivered my second baby. It happened. I got home training. My wife was in labor. We didn't make it to the hospital. I did it at home. No ER, no doctors on that. I did it right there. But guess what? Man was going to do it. Somebody was going to do it. So I did it. Took my jacket off and got down and got dirty. You know, that's just my mindset. I'm going to always make sure my family succeed. I'm going to make sure we eat. I'm not going to ever sit there and say, Oh, I can't. I don't think I can do that. Oh, that's not something I can do. I can do anything and everything in this world. If I got to study and research it, I'm going to do it. That shit. <laughs> I love the dog. What's his name or her that's name? Girl, Athena. This is my buddy or my little hun. But so she ran downstairs to be next to me so fast. She's been wow. upstairs. I've been down here doing media. I heard her at the door clawing. So my wife opened the door and she came down here instantly. That's nice. 
Um, yeah, man, that's really, really good stuff, motivating stuff. But yeah, if if yeah, if you've seen Winning Time, I don't know how it popped up, but check out the after show, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, those guys had those types of personality, and they just sounded like they were so happy to portray Magic and Kareem. It was really, really cool. Have you seen it goes and uh, before before Corey yeah, answers? It? I think it has Rick Fox in it, right? And all yeah, 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 it was really cool. It was awesome. Yeah, he's he's gonna love Yellowstone. You're really gonna like that in 1883. Like, we I know we talk to you maybe every four or five months, but we could literally talk to you next month and already be talking about it because you're gonna binge it. You won't be able to stop. Yeah, so in fact, you're gonna be thanking first? us. Which one should I watch first? 1883 Yellowstone. It kind of doesn't matter, honestly. Now that I think about it, um, it, it came out with Yellowstone. Well, Yellowstone's four seasons, whereas 1883 is only one season. I don't think 1883 would interrupt what Yellowstone is. I think it would just kind of set it up. But I think Yellowstone has flashbacks. So I don't know. I'm not good at that part of it. First. Yellow, I think you'll appreciate the other one more if you do Yellowstone first. And how many seasons in Yellowstone? Like five now, right? Four. Four? Yeah. It's cool, though. You'll like it. Um, I'm glad you gave Eddie Alvarez a shout-out. His tournaments back in the day were every 30 days. His his quarterfinal to semifinal to finals were every 30 days. Brian Rebney, he put the pedal to the metal. Um, but somehow they did it without injury, so he knew exactly. That's a great cat to get advice from. He knew exactly how to stay safe, stay healthy, because they had to do it like on 30-day turnaround, man. I don't know if you remember that back in the day, Bellator's original tournaments. No, I didn't see it, but he told me. Like, he came to the gym. First thing he said, didn't even come in and say, what if nobody? Tournament wasn't out. I was in there, just finished pass. He came up to me like, you excited, man? About to get this million dollars? Like, first thing I can tell you, stay smart. That's what you mean. Like, we already know you're good, but it ain't about who's the best guy in the end. It's about who's going to be the healthiest at the end. Because I know you, you go hard all the time. This is the time, I want you going hard, but I want you doing it smart. I don't want you going hard where you're going to be getting hurt and you're in PT all the time. I don't want you going hard where you're going to have to miss a week of training and you need to be in the gym every day. But if you were smart where you don't have any bumps and bruises that you go and show fights and you don't have to you don't have to worry about nagging injuries, you don't have to about staying safe. You go out there and do your thing and you stay stay smart and then you fight smart, fight smart. He said, Bro, you can go ahead and take this. And now here we are, we're in the finals. I made it to this end with no injuries, haven't been hit, haven't been rocked, haven't been cut. You know, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go. Just been training, and right now I'm peaking, so I'm just ready to go in there. Let's go out there and put it on the show. This is the last one. Now it's ready to go all out, you know. I'm not going to put caution to the wind, but I'm willing to go into a little more danger in the fire to go out there and prove a point. Hey, man, since we kept you this long, if you don't mind one more, it just occurred to me. One of the guys you beat, Ryan Bader, also dabbled at heavyweight. Is that a plan of yours in the future, or do you kind of like where you're at? Nah, I plan on getting two belts, too. I said after the last fight when I beat Bader. You know, I want to be a double champ, you know, once I get the belt here. I got to finish one goal first. You know, we can't count the eggs before a hatch. We finish this one. And once we finish this one, we sit down with Scott Coker and Mike Kogan and everybody involved, and we figure out the opportunity to go up. If we get more money, we get a bigger contract, a longer contract, whatever it is, and then we'll go from there. But before we even start thinking about that or planning for that, even mentioning it, it's about the contract and all that, we just go ahead and finish this Grand Prix off, take my little time to rest, spend time with my family, then we'll get back to it. And then we'll talk business. Got it. All right. Yeah, I must have missed that part because I know I watched the Bader fight, but I think what happened was 
once the fight was over, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Yellowstone. So I didn't watch the post. <laughs> I didn't say it in the cage. I said it during the, uh, the oh, media. Okay. I did the media table. So. I'm, just, I'm just bullshitting. I'm trying to save my ass here. But um, thank you so much, Corey, for uh, hanging out with us today. We are really excited about your fight, the card, the end of this Grand Prix. It's really, really good stuff there, Bellator 277. So, again, we appreciate you squeezing us in here uh, week before fight week. Thank you guys for having me on. And I just want to say, I remember also an interview you guys did a while ago when I stepped in on Glover on short notice. Just so you know, I keep all receipts. I've been watching those. I can't, I think it was you, Handsome George or whatever. You doubted me in that fight. You said that I was a good fighter. But there's no way you can see Corey coming in and beating Glover Teixeira on the run he's been on. Just so you know, I want you. I remember, and if you don't, I'll find a link and send it to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a good there's a good chance that happened. First of all, I always feel like when you make a mistake or when you just do something wrong, you own up to it. So notice, I'm not saying that was another dude or whatever, Mario Lopez. People confuse us all the time, the handsome guys. But um, <laughs> but if there's a good chance I might have said it. To be fair, you know, when it gets to the end, man, it, it's like what's faster, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? Like. You guys are so awesome that really it's all about who's on that particular night. But I may have said it. And if I did, I'll own up to it. But if you can find it, I would love to hear it. But I'll tell you what. If you really cash receipts like you say you do, wait till one day I tell you one of the most embarrassing things I ever did in my career. 15 years of covering this sport and involved you. But I, I, don't have, I don't have the guts to tell you right now. It'll probably be one day in person. Why not? Just tell them. You know what I mean? We can cut them. Nah. You ain't got to put it on record. I just want to know. But uh, I know, I know, going to that Glover fight, I ain't taking it against you. Everybody doubted that. My coaches didn't want me to take the fight. I took the fight without telling anybody, and then called the coaches like, "Yo, can y'all go to Germany next week?" Because I had just got knocked out two fights ago or whatever. So there was a lot going on. The coach was like, "Oh, that's not a good fight. I don't like that fight. I think we should pass that one." Like, uh, too late. Like I already took the fight. They're like, what you mean? Like, we already took the fight, coach. Like I'm confident I can go out there and do it. And what people don't know is my wife just told me. She was pregnant the day before the opportunity came. So I just had a new motivation in my life to where it's like mm -hmm. unstoppable. So that's why I jumped in that fight so fast. And other than that, I don't know if I would have took that fight, to be honest. But I just had that trick up my sleeve, the ace up my sleeve, where I knew I wasn't going to let my newborn, my son, to come be down. Like I was going to use that motivation to go out there and get the job done. I do remember after one of your losses, you said something in one of the post fights that led me to believe there's still another level that you've yet to reach and you either haven't because you hadn't put the work in or you hadn't taken, you hadn't, you didn't have the belief in yourself, but it was something you had said where it, it let me know, keep an eye on this guy. I, I, I clearly remember that. I just don't remember after what fight it was, but it was a confidence that a fighter usually doesn't have after a loss, but um, it was something you had said. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to keep an eye on this guy. Cause I'm pretty open about this. I bet on you guys a lot, you know, the, the fighters, so I, I like to look for little edges like that. You know what I mean? I wonder if it was a young fight when everybody was prompt. Because after the Johnny Walker fight, I was there's levels to this, and I was trending for a while. And after I got knocked out by Yon, everybody was in my inbox. And there's levels to this with the highlight of me getting knocked out. And I made a post holding my son with my shirt on and said, there, there's levels to this. I said, you're right. There is levels to this. There's levels to win it, and there's levels to lose it. But the thing is, you can take that loss like a man and go back to the drawing board and know what you did wrong and come back and be willing to do it again. And I remember, ever since then, that's when everything happened. I remember sitting there in Airbnb in Arizona and everybody texting me saying, oh, it loves this, loves this, loves this. And I remember just looking at my son, and that's why I told my wife, take the picture. I want to take a picture. I looked at my son and just realized 
Like there is others, but I just got to be a man, own up to it. I don't make yeah. supposed to say, yeah, you're right. There is levels of losing, levels of getting knocked out, and levels to the way you can come back for it. And ever since then, my mind has just been time to go to that level, you know, not just worry about being out, going out there and be dominant. You got to go out there and be smart. There's levels of being smart. There's levels of training. There's levels of fighting. There's levels of winning. There's levels of commentating. There's levels to interviews. There's levels to everything you do. And the thing is just finding that right level. And the one thing I was missing, like you said, was the confidence and the belief, which is something I didn't get until I went out and worked with DC. And he told me after training, like, there is no reason why you shouldn't be the 205 champ in the UFC at the end of 2021. Because I was training on him so well. He said, I beat everybody there but John Jones. And you do everything I'm doing just as well, but faster because you longer and faster than me. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be winning, bro. There's no reason why you shouldn't be winning. You just got to go out there and be smart and be more tactical and get the job done. You should never lose again. And after he told me that, it was like, man, I've heard it from my coaches, my wife, my parents, my brothers, sisters. But when you hear the champ tell you this, when a great time tell you this, and you in there going with him, and he says also, the only person I've ever trained with that can go five rounds with me straight, no break, and give me go the whole time is Cain Velasquez. And you just came in and did the same thing that only he has been able to do with me. And that right there, like, damn, I'm sitting like looking at Cain Velasquez in the room watching me. Like, if Cain Velasquez is the only person who is somebody I looked up to when I got in the game, and I can just do this with DC, like, I am that good. I am that good. I just got to believe it. That's quite the that's quite the endorsement. We'll leave it at that. Um, hopefully, we could talk to you again soon because I'm dying to know how this whole thing went with you giving birth. But we've already kept you a half hour, so we'll save it for another time. But um, thank you so much, man. We touched on a lot of subjects. It was a great catch up. Wish you the best with the rest of your camp, your weight cut, and of course on April 15th. Go out there and do it, man. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. All right, you too, sir. Take care, Corey. Man, we covered a lot. Yeah. A lot of hunting in there, but uh, I, pretty interesting dude. I really do, do hope he comes back because we got to ask him about that. Uh, given the birth, yeah. Like, so the, the his wife, I guess there's the process of my water broke. You hear that? And I imagine there's never a phone that's too far away. Nine one one somehow nine one one didn't get there between him having to give the baby. I I, I got to know these details. What about that cord? You know, mm-hmm. cutting the cord and. I, I just, you know, from watching movies, you need a lot of clean towels and wet towels and, <laughs> you know, but I guess you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And you got to know, like, I think he has a few kids. So, like, was this the first one, the second one, the third one? Maybe by then you've seen it a couple of times where you're like, OK, I'm kind of familiar. But holy shit. Yeah, that, that's got to be nerve wracking. And I love his confidence, too, because he's beaten Teixeira. He's one on one versus Bohovich. And now getting past Bader, who not only was their light heavyweight champ at Bellator, he was a solid, as solid as they come, heavyweight, light heavyweight at the UFC. And and now if he can get past Vadim Nemkov, who's the champ, I mean, seriously, he has a right to say, hey, I'm the number one light heavyweight in the world because he's kind of been on a tear these last few years. Yeah, I mean, people are so quick to label anybody that's in the UFC as, as being better, but... That's just not the case. Bellator has some pretty good fighters, and Corey Anderson's one of them. And, and you can make that argument for the victory here. AJ McKee's another one that 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 uh, has that argument. Mm-hmm. He's got that big fat O. It it has yet to go. Um, mm-hmm. 
at that point, like it, you got to poke holes into other stuff when you're undefeated and you're almost at 20 fights. You're pretty special, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so just to finish up here, uh, is there anything you'd like to say regarding Volkanovsky and the Korean zombie? Aside from a prediction or a breakdown, just anything that stood out to you, either in embedded or just what you feel or what's not getting talked about? Yeah, I mean, I think just with Volkanovsky, you kind of know everything he's going to do. He's just so good at it, and I think he's still getting better at it. Korean Zombie, I feel like, is a tougher out than people are giving him credit for, especially with the odds. I agree. But at the end of the day, I think we've seen enough Korean Zombie to know that unless Volkanovsky makes a mistake, he should be fine in this fight. But of the two... I think Volkana, I think Korean Zombie cracks harder. I think crack, I think he's the more likely to have a one punch KO of the two. It's possible, yeah. That's where I'll give him an advantage. And I think he's got cardio, he's tough, he's got experience, and I don't think he's really intimidated. Although it was kind of surprising to me during the fight week, he said, Man, when I went up against Aldo, I was somewhat like intimidated. Like I was concerned, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. The, it reminds me of something you said. Is Volkanovski the best featherweight on the planet right now? Yes. Maybe ever in a way? Yes. But is he the greatest featherweight champion? No, because that belongs mm-hmm. still to Jose Aldo because um, mm-hmm. his, his reign was very long and everyone was scared, up to, to, scared to go up against Aldo back then. But I, I love that honesty and humility from him when he said that. Yeah, for sure. All right, last one. Sterling and Jan. Anything you want to talk about there that you've seen or whatever? No predictions, no breakdowns, just the mental stuff, the embedded stuff. Any Anything jump out at you? We did a segment on our spinning back click about who has more pressure in uh, the Mackenzie Dern fight, right? And with Tisha Torres. I'm kind of curious in this fight who has the most pressure on them uh, because there's so many ways of looking at status in this fight. and Peter Yanis just talks so much trash that's even extended to the, the team. You know, like if these two teams come across each other, who knows what's going to happen? And then Aljamain Sterling has to kind of protect his his own reputation. Like he can't get run over like that too. So I'm I'm curious to see mentally where these guys are at, both guys, because you know physically they're going to show up, they're going to be good. You know, maybe maybe I'm jumping the gun with that too because Aljamain Sterling's had a few setbacks with injuries. So I don't know, but I have to imagine there's so much on the line that he wouldn't show up unless he's 100%. Right, and that's why he didn't show up this past October because the neck hadn't healed all the way. He's going on one year since fighting, whereas Jan at least had the Sanhagen fight. So so Jan will probably initially be a little bit sharper. But uh, yeah, that comment, um, Iaquint is a cool customer. You could tell he was holding back because Mike Bond kind of did his version of catching fighters off guard. He caught, uh, it looked like in the hotel or something, uh, Iaquinta and and um, the Georgian fighter, Mirab Davishvili. And you could tell Davishvili was like, oh, yeah, you know, your team's got something. Let's go, you know. But Iaquinta was like, nope, this is Sterling's week. He's going to handle it afterwards if we have a rumble, okay. But um, what I'm getting at, I guess, is, yeah, Jan's carrying a lot of, like, hate, a lot of uh, – he seems like he's wasting a lot of energy. And I think if Jan just showed up and said, you remember the first fight? Well, this time I'm not throwing an illegal knee and just kind of took it in stride. I think he would it, it would do him better. Whereas Sterling, actually, of the two, is the more cool cat. You know, and I pointed this out, I can't remember where, but Johnny Hendricks beat 
Robbie Lawler with one bad arm. And he said, now the arm's fixed. Now what do you think I'm going to do to him? You know, and that fight didn't go his way. So just because one fighter was having their way the first time doesn't mean it's going to happen the second time. I think there's going to be a lot closer than the first fight. And I think Sterling for sure learned about that pace uh, in the first round. Like it was effective at times, but I think it really drained him. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. I think this fight's going to be a lot closer. I would not be shocked if Sterling wins. I think that's even who I submitted, though I do tend to side with the underdogs. But either way, it's going to be a close fight. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be a dick, but I probably would be shocked. But you never know. There are paths to victory. There's always adjustments. And he's a young fighter with a good skill set. Peter Jan's kind of been through a lot here. Um, But, yeah, I kind of like some of these underdogs this weekend. Yeah, Jan is tough to take down, that's for sure. And that's where Sterling's strength is. All right, folks, Um, thank you so much. This is show number 3249, coming up on 3250 on Monday. Monday will be our 15-year anniversary as well. But before then, we got this UFC watch-along, 273 on Saturday, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Check goes and I out. We'll be hanging out with you guys, watching the fights for nine fights altogether, four on the prelims, the featured prelims, and then five for the pay-per-view. Remember, it works best. If you haven't ordered the pay-per-view, we're your guys. We're going to tell you exactly what's going on in real time. And if you did order the pay-per-view, then obviously you have choices to make. But, hey, why not hang out with some friends, especially if you're just at home chilling by yourself? You can switch the volume on back and forth or whatever and have a blast with us. I know we always have a blast. So check us out on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific here on MMA Junkie. And thank you so much for downloading and supporting this show, MMA Junkie Radio, dropping twice a week here on MMA Junkie. All right, folks. We are out of here. Enjoy your weekend. See you on Saturday. Go out there and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.